listening to the Filmmaker Happy Hour on X-Ray FM, KXRY Portland, an interview show that talks with filmmakers and film festival directors about the state of cinema in Oregon. On today's episode of Filmmaker Happy Hour, we talk with filmmaker Lisa Cole about her latest film, which you can catch at the McMinnville Short Film Festival, happening February 23rd to the 26th. This is Phil Bussia. It is the Filmmaker's Happy Hour on X-Ray FM. I'm joined by director, writer of one of the films, uh, which will be showcased at the upcoming McMinnville Short Film Festival, Lisa Cole, who is Los Angeles-based filmmaker. How are you today? Hi, so nice to uh, meet you this way and to be included. Thank you so much. I'm doing great. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm going to, we'll take a sort of a broad view of some of your work and then let's talk more specifically about um, the the film that you have in the festival. And then also I'm, I'm, I'm curious about some of your insights into festivals, but is it fair, if I can just jump right in, is it fair to say that you have a mission with your filmmaking? Yeah, I mean, not to sound too lofty, but I thank you for that question. I, I have dedicated um, my filmmaking career, however many years now, to sharing primarily women's stories, but and mostly all um, inspired by or based on a true story. Pretty much everything I've written um, that I have in development and that I've made have all been true stories and I just I feel like there's a plethora of them in the world there's never a shortage and um, I'm just really drawn to that kind of material it's it's the types of films that I like to go and you know watch or see on streaming services I love um, not that I don't love pure fiction too I, I think that's you know amazing and creative and imaginative but I love all these stories that are inspired by true stories um, and yeah I I really I approach my work kind of uh, people have said they always ask me if I'm a journalist and I'm, I'm actually not trained as a journalist, but I really approach my work that way. Um, I think as an artist, I think, you know, as a storyteller, our job is to kind of also be like cultural anthropologist and to really dig deep. And I always try to mine authenticity and, you know, find collaborators if need be to, to make sure something's authentic. If I'm, if I'm stepping into a world that's, that's not my own per, per se. Um, yeah. And I just, um, really like to my work has really been about shining a spotlight on sometimes social injustices and and giving voice to underrepresentation um yeah so and i i got a bunch of questions to spin off of that i want to i want to start with and I, and i don't want to um spoil the storyline in any way for um one of oh my goodness uh bieno vitos you say it for me the title of your film Oh, sure. It is Bienvenidos a Los Angeles. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but a lot of, or the, the the arc here, certainly, and it seems like from some of the mission statements or, or statements I've seen you talk about your other work is, uh, again, women's stories, uh, themes of uh, neglect, and then an arc towards redemption. Um, again, not to, I don't want to give away any spoilers, um, but does that does that seem is that a common arc for you then is that uh yes i um yeah i i actually was on a run during the pandemic and realized that i 
because sometimes you know you, you just work from a kind of like a gut gut instinct or or whatever drives you as a creative and I hadn't really thought so much about what are the themes of my work um and then it occurred to me I write very much about neglect I kind of started to see this through line in everything that I was writing at that time and every everything touches upon that or has to do with that theme of neglect and self-empowerment I would say you know coming from a place of neglect so maybe sort of like an unlikely hero um in 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 sort of sharing why diverse representation um in the workplace or in the world is is so key um to making the world a better place to put it simply you know I have a story that I've been near and dear to my heart for many years that we've been so close to making a few times and um uh, that it's almost heartbreaking, but it's called Girl Named Sue, and it's a feature film, and um, it's a true story of a woman that was in the California Times, of the California section of the LA Times, and I was so riveted by her story. She's um, a self-made woman. She never, she grew up in a trailer park. She never went to college. She started working various jobs for the city and then was eventually working for the DA, and she was a, a welfare fraud investigator. Um, and she started realizing that so many of the families that she was working with and um, also investigating people um, that a lot, unfortunately there were a lot of drugs in the home. And at that time in Northern California, it was sort of rampant with crystal methamphetamine, um, clandestine labs and production. And so she, she became a cop on her own time. Um, and she was buddies with a lot of the guys on the narcotics task force in her small community, which is Butte County, California, Oroville essentially is the town. And she started going on drug raids when she got over there with the guys. And she was the only woman on the all-male task force. And she realized that there are so many children in all of these drug investigations and there's no protocol for how to deal with them. And this still happens today, which is shocking. And if you can imagine, you know, before domestic violence had a protocol, there wasn't one, right? So, and that affects, you know, so many different areas of first responders when there is a protocol, when there's a law that you have to follow. And so Sue, the woman's name, she she felt like cops were stepping over children and, you know, they're not trained to talk to kids. They're trained to go in, apprehend the drugs and the guns and the weaponry and the, you know, the perpetrators and everything. And and the kids are literally shoved to the side and handed off to neighbors or whoever will take them in the middle of the night or whenever. And, and cops and social workers have the same clients, but they don't necessarily always trust one another or work together. And so kids are the collateral damage in all this and they're falling through the cracks. And so the point to all that is to say that like having Sue in that realm and in that world and in that field as a, as a single one, you know, as the only woman bringing that diverse point of view is literally saving lives. Um, Cause she's made it her mission. She started the drug endangered children's protocol, which she's still fighting to enact into a law. Um, and she's won every law enforcement award you can win. She's been honored by, you know, all sides of the aisle in terms of politics. I've been with her to Washington, D.C. when there was a drug endangered children's day under Attorney General Eric Holder and the Obama administration. They made a big to do of it, but then nothing got enacted in terms of a law. So no real substantial change has happened. And she fights for grants to stay alive every year to keep the program going. Um, and it's just it's horrifying if people really knew what was going on in this country with the amount of drug endangered children. There's also no national database for it. So no one even knows the numbers and it's 
it's really high though. And now it may not be crystal meth as much anymore, although it still is, but it's THC and honey oil and heroin and Oxycontin. And like, there's all these, you know, children dying at the hands of drug addicted caregivers or unfortunately mommy's boyfriend or some bad neighbor or any number of things. It's horrific. And it's kind of why we want to share this story because people just don't know um, what's going on. I can definitely see some some similarities to the short film that you have in the upcoming McMinnville Short Film Festival with, uh, you know, a, 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 an every everyday sort of hero um, mm-hmm. who's maybe has has a lot of odds stacked against them, uh, but but comes out uh, again. Try not to give any any too much away. I mean, it's uh, but but you know does come out with re, with, with with redemption and and. Uh, oh, hey, let's of- let's talk about the story because let's give it props because let's be honest, there's not a lot of, um, I think there's a lot of interest for short films, but there's not a lot of avenues for them. So I'm happy to talk about the story um, uh, and hopefully people will go see go see the film and go check out the festival too. Yeah, and I, yeah, I, I want to talk about it a little bit more in a second. I had two quick questions on it. Number one, and you briefly talked about this with, with, um, uh, uh, with with sue and and how you find your stories you mentioned that you found that in in the uh the la times you know how are you finding your stories i mean how where 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 did the inspiration for bienvenidos a los Los angeles come from how did you how did that story come to you as an inspiration or as yeah the the nugget of it that is that is real where did that it's a great great story how how it came to be uh, it's a true story on um, part of it. And essentially, um, some years ago, when I had my first child, my son, Max, um, my husband and I were both working. And so we don't have family in Los Angeles, and we needed a babysitter. And through a friend of a friend, we started working with a young woman um, who, uh, her name is Elizabeth, and that's the character's name in the story. And um, Elizabeth and I became very, very close. And uh, we used to cry actually a lot together because here she was helping us with my baby and her son, Christopher, who was born in California. She had to take him back to Mexico before I met her um, to be raised by her mom so that she could come back to the States essentially and make enough money to send home to her parents for medical purposes. And she was also putting her younger sister through dental school. So she worked all the time for us and other people in order to really support herself, but also support her family in another country. Um, and so we used to really, you know, miss Christopher. I had never met him, but I met, you know, met him through Facebook messaging and how, whenever she would communicate with him, I would get to say hello sometimes. And so this went on for a few years. And finally, Elizabeth was like, I'm going to go back to Mexico, or I've got to figure out how to bring Chris here. Cause now that he was five, she figured she could work while he was at school and she could make it all work. Whereas she couldn't, when he was an infant and a toddler, she didn't know how to work. And, uh, you know, make it all happen as a, as a single mom. And I totally understand. And so I, I, um, anyway, the long story short is Christopher came, uh, he was five years old, um, and he got detained at LAX and I was actually, I'm not in the movie, but I was actually the person that had offered to go and pick him up. Um, because, uh, Elizabeth was afraid to go there. Um, to pick him up. And so I went to pick him up that night and he got detained by immigration and everything that happens in the movie at that point at LAX, because we actually shot at LAX, which is pretty cool too, um, is really what happened. So the fictional part of the story is in the beginning where I basically worked 
during COVID for a year, I worked on the script back and forth and I had a couple of advisors, including um, this uh, South Asian immigration attorney that, that I got to know named Samangala. And she was wonderful. She shared with me stories of um, former clients of hers and things that had happened to them on their journey towards citizenship. Um, you know, simple little things that jeopardized it. Right. And so we, through those stories, I crafted the character of Imani, um, who the movie starts out with. She's a Nigerian single mom in LA and she um, is working on her green card. She's very close to getting it. She works in um, as a PA, as a physician's assistant in a medical office. Um, and the movie starts and suddenly um, her whole plan is being jeopardized um, more or less because of the Muslim ban that happened with a certain administration a few years ago. And um, when that Muslim ban was enacted, it wrecked so many lives and so many plans that people have been working on for decades and years and separation of families and everything. And so I felt really compelled to create a character that was fictional, you know, but based on true stories. And so that's how the character of Imani came about. And then the other woman in the story, the Uber driver, essentially the rideshare driver, her story was also modeled after another client of the of the script advisor who, like I mentioned, was the immigration attorney. And in that woman's story, she's a, a, a woman that speaks Hindi, right? And she, um, South Asian woman, and she's a rideshare driver and she's been in the country for 20 years. And she has, um, uh, she's able to stay here legally, but she will never be able to be a citizen because she made one mistake in her past that jeopardized that. And that happens to a lot of people and an innocent mistake that, you know, then goes on to haunt you. So yeah, all of it's true in that sense, but the real heart of the story about this mother, Elizabeth reuniting with her son um, is actually from my firsthand experience of my deep friendship with Elizabeth and Christopher. And so I decided to keep their names, the same names in the story, in the movie. Um, and at the very end of the film, there's a little recap of where they are now and how they're doing. And they're doing wonderful um, and thriving together here in the U.S. And it's a, and we actually got to see them at Christmas time. It had been six or seven years since we had seen them because they moved from California away to another state. And um, they came back to visit and we got to spend a week with them and her entire family. And it was such a wonderful reunion. Yeah, you're packing a lot into 17 minutes of a film. Uh, again, Lisa Cole is a writer, director, filmmaker uh, in Los Angeles. Uh, her short film, Bienvenidos a Los, Los Angeles, will be showing at the upcoming McMinnville Short Film Festival. And let's just take let's take a listen to one of the songs uh, from the movies. You you had something you wanted to, uh, to share. Oh, this one's not in the movie, but it's oh, a song okay. that gives me a lot of inspiration. Um, it's called "Freedom" by Pharrell Williams. Oh, wonderful! Let's take a listen. Believe. 
Phil Bussey, it is X-Ray FM, and this is the Filmmaker Happy Hour. Lisa Cole is a filmmaker based in Los Angeles, whose short film will be playing at the upcoming McMinnville Short Film Festival. Now, you, you, your films um, w- seem to want to have impact, and 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 by that I mean there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of different ways to have impact. I mean it's uh, uh, Bienvenidos has uh, a, an emotional impact. Um, but do you also want to change minds, change laws? And how does how can a film do that? That's a big question. Sure. And I, I don't have the answer completely, but I do know that the power of cinema has always been to, to kind of move hearts and minds, uh, to entertain, number one, of course, but to, to also sometimes affect change um, and to move hearts and minds. So I've, I've always just been drawn to films that have... Um, social messages you know social justice or or injustice um whether that's the film spotlight or she said this year or you know hotel rwanda i mean there's any number of films that are inspired by real life situations that i think they're so worthy of of becoming a feature film or on the big screen or even uh you know on streamers or whatever and um that's the kind of material that i'm really drawn to and yes thank you i i think bienvenidos has at its core, the whole reason why my team and I wanted to make the film and Elizabeth too, the stories inspired by, um, well, first of all, Elizabeth feels there's a lot of uh, women in her shoes, you know, that can completely relate to the plight of the Elizabeth character in the film. And also, you know, we as a team, I think the subject matter attracted a lot of members of my team. I'm proud to say we're primarily female group that made the film and 56% BIPOC creatives on the team and, and, 
you know, so many of us, so many of my team members could relate firsthand to having an immigration narrative in their own lives. And so I think it just resonates for so many people. And this country is founded by immigrants. <laughs> I mean, we're, we all have some kind of history from to somewhere else, essentially. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm just so honored that McMinnville for their 12th annual festival has chosen us to be, um, you know, to screen. And I, I just want to give a little plug. We are nominated for three things at the festival. Best Drama, we're nominated for the Grand Jury Prize, and I've been told we're nominated for the Founders Award for Outstanding Female Filmmaker. So I'm really um, very exciting um, to be nominated for anything. So. And, and let's talk a little bit about, we have a few minutes left here. Let's talk about McMinnville and about short film festivals. Are you able to make the trip up for the, the festival and to screen the film? I'm really trying to work that out. Um, it's I, I hope to be there. Um, yes, uh, the full transparency, the film is lucky to be in this, the 29th annual Sedona Film Festival, which is also that same weekend. So I'm I'm still trying to work it all out. And and how did you, how do you, find out about the film festivals and 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 how do you choose which ones to place your your films in i mean because like you know you 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 can't be everywhere at once and um how are how are, how are you making the strategy for for getting the film out there well you know one of the things that i've thought about is we make these films so that people can see them and especially with a social message film right like this i feel that we made the film to put a face of humanity on the on the complicated issue of immigration. So sometimes I applied to festivals um, because I felt like, okay, that's an area of the country where um, maybe we could move the needle a little bit on heart, you know, on 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 perspective around immigration. And so I deliberately like applied to certain festivals where I felt like if they accept it, this would be really great, maybe for the audience to see without sounding, I don't know, you know, um, but to be able to share that film with audiences everywhere is an honor. And um, I mean, McMinnville seems like I've not attended the festival in the past, but it seems like a festival really dedicated to showing um, great films and giving the filmmakers a really wonderful time. Um, I mean, it's in the wine country. It's like, it's, it's sort of hard. It's like a no brainer. Right. And um, they've been so wonderful. They've been so communicative, which you find out sometimes is not always the case with these festivals, but McMinnville so communicative and Heather and the whole team there, they've just been wonderful um, to work with. And so, yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's an exciting uh, film festival. That's really an up and comer. Um, I mean, it's, it has an Oscar nominated uh, short film this year, my year of dicks. Uh, it's also going to be showing clay dream which is about uh, local uh, uh, legend and uh, animator Will Vinton. Um, it is, and it is, it's just a great setting. And, and they are really um, pulling together a number of uh, high quality and forceful films. Um, so it's exciting to see, um, you know, I, and I guess that's, that's part of it too, is, is you know, when you're shopping uh, for a film festival, what are you looking for? Are you... Um, you're 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 part of a group called uh, Film Patels uh, in Los Angeles. I mean, are you uh, crowd crowdsourcing where other people are going? Um, how do you determine? Or, I mean, yes, yeah, so no, I definitely. Um, well, I read uh, articles and blogs about you know every year. There's various articles written about top film festivals, and then Film Freeway. Um, 
and and Movie Maker Magazine also published, you know, 50 best festivals and ones not to miss and 100 this and that. And there's different lists. And so I kind of go through those. Um, also word of mouth for sure. Um, I also definitely look for festivals that have an academy qualifying um, category because that's that's not bestowed on, upon very many festivals. But if you can get into one of those, um, as a matter of fact, we premiered at an academy qualifying festival in July at LA Schwartz International. We we did not win, but the winner of of that um, is then you know uh, eligible to be nominated for an Oscar. So that's obviously you know the dream probably of most short filmmakers. Um, but yeah, just to be accepted in an academy qualifying festival is an honor too. So. Um, but I look for that. I look for also like maybe someplace that I'd love to visit if I hadn't been. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's kind of, I go through the lists on Film Freeway. Film Freeway is a really great, you know, site that I think most filmmakers use now to submit to the majority of festivals. Um, they kind of have the dominance in that, in that, uh, in that area. Um, so yeah, I hope that answers your question. Yeah, well, I hope that you can figure out how to attend, if not this year, maybe upcoming year. And I am so happy that your film, uh, Bienvenidos uh, a Los, Los Angeles, will be showing at the McMinnville Short Film Festival. It is uh, it's a very likable film. Uh, it, it's it's um, obviously very well yeah. produced. It's very likable. The characters are engaging and and it's it's just, it is... A very moving story. Um, all that in 17 minutes. Um, so thank, thank you, you and, and um, good luck on all the many projects that you have going on. You're clearly a busy filmmaker. I appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. Oh, Phil, thank you so much. I really appreciate um, you taking the time to interview me about the film. And uh, yeah, I look forward to meeting you in person one day and um, best of luck to, to you as well. This has been the Filmmaker Happy Hour on X-Ray FM. The Filmmaker Happy Hour is a production of the Media Institute for Social Change and X-Ray FM KXRY Portland. Our host is Phil Bussey. Our executive producer and editor is me, Carly Meisberger. Thanks for tuning in.